Welcome to the Lincoln Baptist Daily Reading Program. Today is day 88, looking at Deuteronomy 23 and 24, and then John chapter 16, verses 16 through 33. In Deuteronomy, we have a various collection of laws today. Remember, God has designed the laws to show the people his holy standard that they are to keep. They are to be set apart and holy before God. Now, in today's passage, we see that in almost every sphere of life, God has a standard that should be kept. And I want to pick up on the matter of divorce today. Recently, I was asked to point someone in the direction of what the Bible teaches on divorce. And part of that conversation was Deuteronomy chapter 24. The question is, when is divorce permissible? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 1, we have evidence and grounds for divorce. A certificate cannot be written for just any reason, rather parameters are set. Uncleanness is the first parameter, which taken into account Matthew 19.9 refers to sexual sin. Not just simply sexual intercourse, but sexual immorality. It's not that divorce must happen. But if this immorality leads to a complete inability to be in union together, then the final option is divorce. Now, secondly, we have Matthew 19.8, which suggests that hardness of heart was deemed a reason. This is not a lack of love or a struggle to love, but a complete refusal to love. The individual has deserted the covenant by simply deserting love altogether. It's important to note that this hardness of heart is only ever in the context of uncleanness, meaning we're back to that sexual immorality as the foundational permission. Now, in 1 Corinthians 7 and from verse 10, we don't have the word divorce, but we have separation, or in some translations, departing. Something has caused you to depart. And in 1 Corinthians 7, the strong hint is not to something positive, you know, positively serving the Lord, and therefore you must leave the marriage to go elsewhere. The key aspect of separating or departing is that it can be legalised in the law of the land through divorce, but it's not divorce in the eyes of God. The one departing has not left due to sexual sin, but maybe for another reason, say spousal abuse. Meaning before God, the covenant of marriage, the two becoming one, is not severed but remains intact. To deal with this, a stipulation is put in place. The separated or departed, or in the eyes of the law divorced, party cannot remarry until the death of their spouse as marriage is a life and death covenant. Essentially, one may divorce on grounds of sexual sin and then remarry, but for any other reason, they cannot remarry until the spouse has died. So you see, there are biblical grounds for divorce. There is also biblical grounds in certain circumstances for remarriage. However, let me say this. God's perfect standard and what he desires is for a marriage to honour him, for both husband and wife to commit to God and then to one another. I pray that our marriages will be God-honouring and if you are struggling, please reach out and ask for help. I would be more than happy to guide you through God's word and to encourage you in your marriage. Let's head into John's Gospel and we once again continue with the long conversation stretching from chapter 14 through into chapter 17. It's interesting to see that the disciples return to their debating and their arguing. All the way through the Gospels, we have seen them rarely understanding what Jesus was going to do and what was about to come. More than that, they seem to bicker between themselves rather than just ask Jesus to explain. Hearing the conversation, Jesus explains that this is not about defining a little while. It's rather about the importance of the joy that they will experience when Jesus returns. Clearly, Jesus is pointing to the fact that yes, he will die on the cross, but he will not remain dead. He will rise from the dead and the disciples will once again be with him. The disciples think they have it all sorted out now. They now understand that Jesus will go away and he'll come back. Do you get my hint of sarcasm here? The disciples really understood the magnitude of what Jesus was doing, yet he comforts them all the same. 
He declares that the Father loves them for they have loved Jesus and believe in his name. Yet he also chastises them for their devotion will soon waver and they will be scattered running far from Jesus in distress and discouraged thinking that their Lord has been defeated. But just see how the chapter ends. Take heart. The world does not overcome Jesus. Jesus has overcome the world. We as believers recognize that Jesus knew he would suffer and die, but he also knew that he would rise from the dead, defeating sin and death. Jesus was the willing and loving eternal sacrifice that would change everything. And like the disciples, many of us are just simply devoted with our words rather than our hearts. And still many of us don't have a clue what this is all about. So let me just say the simple truth here. Jesus was about to show that he is the greatest that ever lived. And if we place our faith in him, we'll be granted right relationship with God and eternal life. Reflecting on this, have you grasped the magnitude of what Jesus has done for you? Have you grasped that he could set you free from your sin and grant you new life? As you ponder these questions, let me pray for you. Father, I do pray for everyone listening onto this podcast. We pray for their marriages. Father, we pray that they would be God-honouring and we pray that if they are struggling right now, that they would reach out for help, specifically reach out to you. But more than that, Father, we pray that they would be able to find help from their church family, from their friends. Father, we pray that they would find help in your word. Father, we do pray and thank you and praise you for the sacrifice of Jesus, knowing that our sins can be forgiven in him and knowing that we can be set free. Father, we pray that we would live in the knowledge of freedom through Christ and we pray that we would truly grasp hold of the magnitude of Jesus, our eternal sacrifice. We pray this in your name. Amen.